Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by Ulysses Solomon McIntyre of Plano, Texas. Dango, I tell you what, man. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast pop culture, and comic fans. In this issue, Tales is fun, justice is absolute, and Steven is a little bit gassy. Plus, Conwelling is back from the dead, and this time, they mean it. And just in time for Valentine's Day, we turn back the clock to America's sweetheart and the day she shattered her neck, because that's romantical. Also, The WB is no more, but their retconning lives on, and we want to know, was this your father's JSA? Yes, Faithful Spoilerites, it's a Tom Welling twofer on a wacky Wednesday on KFHS, the rock of Fort Hay State, Upper Disney, and for shut-ins. Also, Rodrigo reviews the latest epic adventures of Danny Baptista. Atlas, I don't think she sired Spike, and apropos of nothing, I discovered this manga called Space Adventure Cobra today. Boy, that sounds really, really awesome. Remember, kids, it's time to show the historic bitch how we do things in the afterlife, and she is a nimble little minx. But remember, he ain't a gangster. His real name's Clarence, and Clarence lives at home with both parents, and Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. This guy don't want to battle. He's shook because there ain't no such thing as a halfway crook. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey, everybody. Yeah, Matthew cuts in and he cuts out and I cut the cheese and Rodrigo just sits over there and shakes his head sadly. I do. Oh man, I'm cutting out again? Yeah, just there at the beginning when you're rambling on about whatever you were rambling on about. But that's okay because your your connection's going to be nice and clean for the rest of the show so we can talk about all the cool things going on this week in and around comics and pop culture and all that other groovy goodness. Well, we should talk... (laughs) Uh, 
I do want to apologize for this week for the uh, show coming out a day late. Had some personal issues to take care of. So we're not going to, because today is, well, when you're listening to it, Thursday. Mm -hmm. We're not going to have a weekend show, but we'll be back on Tuesday for the regular round of idiocy. That's right. And remember, personal issues are not the same as colonoscopy. Uh, No, this is quite different from a colonoscopy. So uh, let's go ahead and get to the news. And let's see what we have to spin the the wheel about. (laughs) This week we have Bill Murray will die in Ghostbusters 3. Who will save the Superman franchise? And the Spider-Man reboot gets a 3D treatment. Matthew, where did it land? One, two, or three? Two. All right. Who will save the Superman franchise? This is something that just kind of came out, broke the other day during... um, during the Warner Brothers, I think it was their um, 2010 first quarter earnings report, where, no, actually it came from Nikki Fink, I'm sorry, from Deadline Hollywood, where she says that Christopher Nolan has been brought on board the Superman franchise to steer that ship that's gone out of control and guide it into a path that will make the franchise successful once again. Mm-hmm. Now, some people might say Superman Returns was a great movie. Some people enjoyed Superman Returns. I like about half of Superman Returns. I like the fact the the parts of it when they're not talking about how he has a kid. Yes, anything mm-hmm. not involving the kid was actually pretty actually, good. Actually, I mean, and that whole lifting the Krypton island at the end was just no cool. But the the whole capturing the uh, airplane and the ball field yeah. that was all sorts of awesome. Yeah. But you know that movie cost something like two hundred and seventy million dollars to make, and only brought in like three hundred and ten million worldwide. <laughs> so it's not a re- real big box office success. And of course, Nolan is really big in the Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the showrunner, David Goyer, uh, um, dropped out of Fast Forward, ABC's Fast Forward, so he could begin writing the Batman 3 script, which Nolan is expected to direct. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, Christopher Nolan is going to steer the Superman ship and get it going right again? Who should direct? Can we save the Superman franchise at this point? Matthew? <clears throat> well, here's my thing. Christopher Nolan does make a good Batman movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to make a good Superman movie. Well, that's true. That's and why equating, he's not directing. Equating, you know, the the whole Batman mystique as the same as Superman is just as problematic to me as Superman as Homewrecker. <laughs> and the Superman as Homewrecker plot is what really sunk that film. And they were trying... What they were doing with that, they were really trying to humanize the character and make him relatable and put him in a situation where his emotions were up front. Yeah, they were putting him in situations that happen to most Americans these days. Knock some chick off and chick up and you go flying off into space for nine months. Actually, you know... But if we root for... Sorry. um, You're right. When I was was sitting there in the theater watching Superman Returns, you know how I really wanted that movie to end? Um, you know, the, the like Superman gets kryptonited, right? And he falls to the ground and Lois's lanes, uh Lois's boyfriend jumps in there and swims over and rescues Superman, right? And then he gets him up back up there. What I really wanted to happen is for this little green light to come out of space and say, <laughs> James Marsden, you have been chosen. And then he puts on a green lantern ring and they both fight uh Lex Luthor together because that guy was a badass. I want to see more of that guy. <laughs> I so, was thinking you were going to say that he could use his eye beams to fight Lex Luthor. Well, yeah. that too. It's well, like, no every he's time he's on the scene, I'm like, where are your ruby quartz glasses? You're going to kill everyone. So, Matthew, I wonder then, if not Christopher Nolan, then who do you think could direct a kick-ass Superman film? 
Hmm. Brett Ratner. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm not a, a big director groupie, but what I want is somebody who understands the whole point of Superman, and the yes. whole point of Superman is not dark and gritty. It's not ooh scary Avenger. Superman is the guy that wanders into the middle of a disaster situation uh-huh. and uses his bare hands to stop that disaster situation in bright daylight, you know, lifting the empire state building. It's, it's not so much about the direction to me. It's about what they're going to say. It's and the are they going to say something other than we really, we, sh- we sure do love that Superman movie from 1978. And it wasn't Christopher Reeve. Awesome. And doesn't this guy kind of look like a young Christopher Reeve? So, yeah, I'd like to see Kevin Smith do it. I would too. I really think he could do a good job. Rodrigo, you're going, man, Kevin, nah, Kevin Smith. You, you old people, and you're Kevin Smith. Yeah, well, what we really want to direct is McGee, just like it should have been originally. McGee, McGee, McGee. Actually, I was thinking, you know, Sam Raimi's probably free. Well, you know, he is free. He and, probably oh. would do okay. And if you if you look at you know the the way that he directed, especially the first Spider-Man movie with the whole like whiz bang. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip, 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 yeah. flip, kind of thing. It would really work for Superman. You know, it would be a return to it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman kind of action. Right. And I think that's what people want to see right now. They're tired of this darkening of the character. They're tired of seeing Tom Welling in a trench coat. They want you know old school. Is you know was that in the sky up up and away kind of Superman. Yeah. yeah. Now, putting what... an S on Batman does not make a Superman story, and I think there there are a lot of people in Hollywood who don't understand that. Well, the question that I have is, if you could pick a story, I, I think most people are tired of Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things that I think Nolan and Goyer and uh, Nolan's brother did in in writing some of these Batman films before is they're pulling elements His brother from Nolan Ryan. No. Uh, they're pulling elements from all of these other Batman stories to craft a really good Batman tale. So if you look at The Dark Knight Returns, or I'm sorry, The Dark Knight, we see a lot of elements from other books that we've talked about before in the show. What if they pulled, for this new Superman movie, what if they pulled out Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, where you can tell Superman fighting and all these different tales about Superman doing different things... And then at the end, you reveal that, oh, he's not really dead. He's still alive. Wink. And then that's a way to kick off a whole new set of Superman movies in the future. Would that work? Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? I, I would say no for one reason. Okay. What, whatever happened idea? to the man of tomorrow? No. As All right. Written, two reasons. <laughs> it would make a great end of a Superman, you know, a six-picture Superman series. Yeah. It's it's a very it's a close ended story. It is a it is the last or a last Superman story. It's right. dark, and it's you know it's atypical and it has an ending that's just kind of like it's got a little upbeat twist to it. But mm-hmm. the ending is all the villains are dead and the heroes think Superman is dead and you know Superman is powerless at the end. Presumably, and the whole thing is well, he is. He was exposed to gold kryptonite. Oh, that's right. We see him. We see him get cut on panel. Mm-hmm. But what I would like to see is I like to see just you know something that that is a Superman type story. That's the kind of story that I'd like. I, you know what would be interesting? What I don't think they could pull it off, but 
Denny O'Neill wrote Superman for a few issues in the 70s. And what they did was they eliminated kryptonite. And they had a big thing where he started meeting people who were as powerful as him. And Superman had to learn how to be a man and how to fight. You know, he wasn't naturally super powered, more powerful than everybody in the uh, world. Uh, oh, yeah. Superman, too. I'd like to see that. Yeah, Superman, oh, too. <laughs> Wait, which one but was they the eliminated peace? <laughs> that was Superman that is, 4. That's why that I, is the movie we shall not ever found, speak of again. That's why I found Steven's post to be hysterical. Superman Returns could, may have damaged the franchise. Well, the previous Superman installation was oh, Superman yeah, yeah. 4. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's a reason so why. Superman Returns. Yeah, there's a reason why Returns branches out of what Superman 2. Yes. And pretends yeah. like the other two yes. didn't happen. Exactly. So um, we'll erase Superman that. 3 has written prior. Speak, I, speak of a, a Superman story, Rodrigo. Here's, here's what I'd like to see. I would like to see it as part of an origin story, um, maybe not, not as deep into the origin as, as, say, the first Superman movie was, um, or the, the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie was, um, and have uh, Brainiac essentially come to Earth and basically just be trying to get Superman. Um, and as part of this story, I would actually have Lex Luthor help Superman out. Now, that would work. That'd be interesting. And then you set him up. You actually set him up as, you know, uh, maybe reluctant um, allies. And then that in the next, you know, at the end, the big reveal at the end of that movie could be and Lex Luthor got his hands on all this Brainiac technology. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I like that. I like that a lot. So... Have you guys read Action Comics number 775? No. That's the one where so. Superman... Superman ends up facing a team very much like the Authority. And they tell him that he's not a hero and he's not cool and he's not awesome. Because he doesn't kill and he doesn't do all these things. And he uses Superman tactics... And does his upbeat I'm Superman thing and ends up, you know, defeating basically the authority, the dark and gritty heroes and saying, and by the way, up, up and away, I'm Superman. You ah. stupid effers. Well, what if it's really kind of a cool story? Well, what if they did something uh, along the lines of um, uh, what they did after one year later? Where Superman gets his powers back because, you know, he. I don't know. You could think that maybe he doesn't have all his powers at the end of the last. If, last if they're if they're rebooting the franchise, then they 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 can't do that. Like if it's yep. going to be a straight up reboot, if they want the franchise to be different, they can't be like. And Superman gets his powers back. It, it just seems like they'd be like, well, where'd they go to begin with? You know, it's not like Superman gets his powers from being ridden by a radioactive man. <laughs> and I think what we what we've delineated here is an essential problem with having a Superman movie. Everybody knows Superman and everybody has an idea of Superman, but Superman is so pervasive to the culture. There's no real quintessential Superman tale. Well, and that's the problem. I think, I think that's a, that's an issue that I think somebody pointed it out in, in over at major spoilers.com that Superman is this boy scout and Superman's tales are, are so uplifting that it's hard to tell a really good uplifting story and not make people roll their eyes, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you could do it if it was Jimmy Stewart as Superman, right? Hmm. Uh, and, oh, where's Zuzu's pedals? Oh, you know, and that might work. <laughs> I saw, I, I, Lex, Lex, Lex Luthor, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, what was the question again? I'm yeah, going to stop and everything. <laughs> and that would be my... 
I don't know if you can tell Bastard a really good Superman story. Bullet. You yeah. know what? You know what I would love to see, and I think that the 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 nerd culture in general would probably reject it. I would like to see the beginning of Supreme Power as like the origin of like the Justice League. Oh really? Like, Superman's capsule crashes to Earth, like. Maybe not necessarily, you know, obviously the Green Lantern ring wouldn't be part of it, but the Green Lanterns are involved. Yeah. And they're chasing it to Earth, so is Brainiac or whatever giant thread you have. The Flash gets hit by something that comes out of the ship. And, like, all of these guys start coming up together at the same time, and you kind of do, like, these vignettes cutting back and forward between all these heroes, and then you kind of get a Justice League thing. That would be interesting. All right, well... Any other final thoughts, Matthew, before we move on to other segments of the show and other fun frivolity that we have planned? If they do another Superman movie, regardless of whether they reboot or continue, we have to eliminate the Superman as homewrecker angle. Even if it's something where all of a sudden Lois is divorced and she has this illegitimate son and we don't know what happened to Cyclops. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot have that character actively trying to break up Lois Lane's marriage. I just don't want to see the kid anymore. Yeah, super kid. Yeah. All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, look for the story called Who Will Save the Superman Franchise, and then you can click in the comments section and join the other 20 billion people who've posted so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be back to talk about some new comic book reviews right after this. How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for for joining Hello. us this week. Because we are doing something a little bit different this week in terms of getting the show out after new comic books have been released, mm-hmm. what we thought we'd do is, again, we're recording this on a Wednesday, but you'll hear it on a Thursday. We are going to review only books that came out the week of February 10th, 2010, in this segment of the show. I think Not like got, we usually do, those books that come out in the future. Well, some of them come out in the future. Some of them came out the week before. You know, mm. this week is all new comics, and there are some spoilers ahead. All new, all different comics. All new, all different, once again, the same comics. <laughs> and there are some spoilers ahead, so you're going to want to uh, pay attention to that. Why don't we get to, uh, Rodrigo, you, you've got something from Top Cow for us to, this week. That's right. Um, I've been uh, keeping up with the adventures of the Angelus, the formerly Angelus. one half of the Witchblade, Danny Baptiste. Was she the witch or was she the blade? You know, the, the part that I like the most about that whole War of the Witchblades thing was at the very beginning when uh, Sarah starts turning dark because it's top cow so you know yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah. there's a base level of darkness that everybody needs to have right um she uh danny's talking to her would-be girlfriend finch and uh she's like yeah she got half the witchblade and i got the other half she must have gotten the bitch half of the witchblade <laughs> um so world champion danny baptista is a lesbian oh yeah well oh i did she's on this she's she might be bi but she pretty much has a girlfriend. Um, so, so she's kind of like Shadow Hunter. 
to catch Matthew up, um, Danny has moved back to New Orleans, where she's originally from, and she brought her girlfriend along. Um, they're still trying to work things out, but they're living together. Um, last issue, they went out for a romantic stroll while they were trying to work things out, and they were attacked by a giant uh, man-bear-pig monster. Um, <laughs> which, which, have Patrick little, Duffy uh, for a leg. Yeah, yeah which... <laughs> Which uh, the Angelus fought off with the help of the Angelus host. So this uh, issue, um, then he gets taken up to the wherever the Angelus hangs out, which is not heaven. Um, it's 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 the the light area of the Top Cow universe. Um, so she goes up there, and everybody's very excited to meet her because she's the new super duper angelus and she has she's basically the boss angel of all the angels and they're like okay boss angel how are we going to kill the darkness and she's like what jackie jackie's my friend and they're all like what um to which point like her her pr angel has to be like, oh, no, wait, what she means is uh, she's going to sit down and try to figure out how to murderize his face. Um, <laughs> I love your review of this. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, um, <laughs> then he's second in command, goes down to hell. Um, is it Ray Mysterio Darkness? No, um... She's she's another sexy angel, but she goes down to hell, or she she sends some guys, some of her guys down to hell, um, to steal something from the devil, which I hope is the Sandman's helmet, um, but I don't think it is. So they get on a train in hell, and they talk to the train guy in hell, and they're like, "Hey, train guy, do you like Satan?" And he's like, "No." It's like, "Okay, you will help us now." Um, meanwhile, back in New Orleans, Finch is like, "Ah, oh, man, she left me here and went to hang out with some angels, and then some guys come out." And they're like, we are bad guys and we are going to rough you up, pretty girl. So then Danny shows back up, beats them up, and they hold hands and walk away. Duh, and, but wait. Then we cut to the darkness. You know, Jackie is staccato and he's hanging out and his little impy guy comes up and whispers something in his ear. And he's like, who wants to go to New Orleans? And that's how the issue ends. Um... So she is literally going to attack the darkness. Yes. Actually, a lot of people nice. attack the darkness in this universe. It's it's like a, there's a whole comic book about it called The Darkness. Um, the uh, All in all, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, clearly they just wanted a, a place for this character, so they made her the Angelus. But I, I didn't realize, you know, I only uh, picked up the further adventures of Witchblade very recently when I realized that it was now some kind of pastel noir monster book as opposed to a uh, yeah. girly magazine. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realize that uh, Danny and Jackie knew each other. So that that actually makes it really interesting for me. It, it actually brings some genuine conflict to the book. Um, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. Um, it's really solid... All in all, it could probably get better. Um, there's some things that are kind of unexplained. Um, and I think part of Like the, what the hell's going on? Partially. <laughs> you can see you can start to see things of what's going on. Um there's a there's a point where she's up in, in where the heaven where the angels hang out and 
she's like, hey, wasn't that one of the critters that attacked us? And it's like, oh, yeah, we train those here. Sometimes they go rogue. Ha, 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 ha. Um, so you can tell that there's something going on. But Interesting. I think despite the fact that the book is going well, I have a fundamental problem with kind of like the magic hottie genre. Like her, like the, the powers of the Angelus are the completely... The fact that she's so hot and yet she's supposed to be well, an angel. She's just completely ill-defined. Like her, there's no definition of what her powers are able to do or not able to do. Whenever she wins a fight is, you know, like, why did she win that fight? And why did she lose another fight kind of thing? You know, why does she need the host to back her up if she's such a badass? Because sometimes she is and sometimes she isn't. It's just kind of annoying that there's no real test. Like, yeah. you know, Spider-Man can pick up a car, but not a building. Like with the with the Angelas and actually with most of the top cow guys, you know, Witchblade and the Darkness, there's kind of no no clear benchmark of how powerful they are. All right. That's all I got. All right. What what was that? Three slices of meatloaf? Three slices of meatloaf. Yeah, that's not that's better than average. Yeah. All right. Cool. It's got it's got some nice uh action, good lady romance. And it's uh the art's really good. Is that uh I was gonna ask you I don't know if you remember, is this Ron Mars who's writing this as well? Um I think so. Let me, I was going to look here really quick. I have this bad habit of never actually checking the I do the same thing. It is Ron Mars. It is Ron Mars and, and Stefan Sejic. Yeah, I think. The art. His, his art's really recognizable. Yeah. But I figured since Ron is also, I think, writing Witchblade, mm-hmm. that maybe he was trying to keep the universe, the universe I, eye. I, 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 universe. Think, I think so. And I think right now Top Cow is really, really pull, trying to pull together this whole Broken Trinity thing. All right. Um, cool. So they're 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 really trying to get all their properties together. They call that a Brinity. Brinity. All right. So this yeah. week I picked up a title from Dynamite Entertainment, a brand new issue called "The Legendary Tail Spinners." It's written by James uh, Kohorik, uh, with art by Grant Bond. And you know, it was kind of teased to me as if you like, if you like uh, Jack of Tales and you like the um, DC's Fables books, you're really gonna like. The Legendary Tale Spinners. And I will say this. I really like the art of Grant Bond. Boom, 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 it's boom, got a boom, really boom, kind boom, of a boom, cool... Boom, um, boom, boom, boom. I don't know. It's got a cartoony, sexy cartoony kind of look to all mm-hmm. the characters. Uh, but it took me a while to really figure out, what are they talking about? You know, fables. You know, if you like fables, you're going to like this because it's about these people who work at, at like a nursing home hospital. Uh-huh. This girl named Abby. And she never really, she grew up in a kind of a household where she was never encouraged to use her imagination or anything like that. So she doesn't know a lot of, of tales. And there's something dark going on. We're, we're referenced to things dark going on in her past, which I'm sure will be revealed in the future. But anyway, uh, she works at, at this orderly and... This crazy old man there keeps telling tales of, oh, I've got houses in 16 different countries. I could just live there instead of this rundown place. And, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, what's your name? Baron von von Munchausen. So if you don't know who the Baron von Munchausen is and the the great tales that came out of his adventures, you might be a little lost in this. Um, But it turns out that by that end of this particular issue... He tries to convince her that he's real, the real Baron. And we're kind of left with a cliffhanger where uh, the Baron's quote-unquote mother is sending some thugs after the Baron to kill him, and that's how she gets wrapped up in the story. 
it's um I think it kind of I think the story is good, but I think it drags a little bit in points. I mean, I wish they could have gotten to the big reveal and the tie in and how she was going to be involved in his story a lot quicker. Instead, it's really just character build up, character build up, character build up, character build up, end of issue. And so it it almost feels like the the part where you're actually getting into the story only happens in the last page and a half, two pages. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think that's part of what you're supposed to do in a series is you're supposed to have build up and mm-hmm. character development and then proceed in the story. But for a first issue, I find that kind of difficult to swallow at times. So does it does it does it feel legit? Does it feel like it's doing its own thing or is it like here's here's, oh, is it certainly like, here's another book where literary characters are real. I think that's what they're trying to do, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like fables at all. Okay. It, you know, it's not like oh there's hundreds of other literary characters at least the ones that we've encountered or seen in this story doesn't appear to be that way because mm-hmm. we only appear uh, the the baron the mother or whatever her name is Tessa von Munchausen or whatever her name is and then the the two thugs. The rest <coughs> of it is just getting to know her friends and the people around her mm-hmm. and now suddenly she's dropped into this world by the end of the issue. And we really don't know that she's dropped into the world because essentially she's been shot or uh, I forget something happens to her where her life is on the limb uh, or, you know, hanging on a, on a limb there. And, uh, and we don't know, we're going to have to tune in next month to find out. I love the art though. I I thought the art was fantastic. I just love this cartoony style that, you know, hints at a lot of cuteness. Mm -hmm. It's not like, um, it's not like J Scott Campbell's stuff where it's overly sexified Mm -hmm. in a cartoony way. Is um, like, this is uh, just kind of Liberty like, Meadows kind of thing. No, not even not that? even a realistic, not even the 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 Frank Cho kind of mm-hmm. of art. It's I'm trying to come up with something. And I cool guess World, I, no, maybe a far. little bit like Cool World, maybe just a little bit like Cool World, and how to describe that kind mm-hmm. of art, but without the without the Roger Rabbit over the top cartooniness into gotcha. it. Think of what was the girl's name. Uh, in Cool World. Kim Basinger? The Kim Basinger's character. Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit more cartoony, but I, I liked it. I think I want to read the, the next issue when it comes. If it comes, somebody ripped off the one a couple of our <laughs> shipments this week yeah. from Dynamite. <laughs> we Damn got, them. We got our comics stolen. I can't believe that. I get this empty envelope and a stamp on it that says it was already opened when it arrived at the post office, and there's no comic books in there. Fortunately, we've got the other shipment that came that had tail spinners in it. So, legendary the legendary tail spinners number one. I'm going to go with Rodrigo. Give it three slices of meatloaf out of it. Good story, interesting story. I'm in it for at least two more issues to see how how it goes. And that's from Dynamite Entertainment. Now let's take a look at Matthew. And this is some really spoilerish stuff because even on the DC website they're saying top secret, top secret, top secret. So. Uh, you might want to fast forward about 10 minutes or so if you don't want to find out what happens in Adventure Comics number 7 this week. You mean Adventure Comics number 510. Spoiler! Well, it depends on who's counting. I'm counting. Well, okay then. It is my job to put comics in the bins. And unlike Incredible Hulk, which A is not at 600 and B is not a continuation of Incredible Hulk 1 through 455... This is, in fact, Adventure Comics number 510. Why? Because I said so. Adventure Comics number 510 slash 7 takes place about 12 seconds after Blackest Night number, was it 6 or 7? Oh, I was going to say 5 when he made everybody die. Yeah, well, 6 is the one where the big battle takes place. Oh, okay. 
you may or may not be aware, if you're a, not a faithful spoilerite, that Necron came back from the realm of the dead and revealed that all the heroes that came back from the dead are now his prawns and turned them into Brack Lanterns, and that includes a Black Lanterns, a Brack Lantern. <laughs> with, Hi, my name is Brack! Anyway, <laughs> Black Lantern, including Con-El, Superboy. Right. Wait, we don't say Superboy here. We say Con-Welling. Um, and it actually starts with something that they haven't done recently, and they admit that Superboy used to wear that ugly costume with a leather jacket. Oh, yeah, way back in the... Uh... Early back in the early nineties, yeah, Death and Return of Superman. When he out. had the yeah. when he had the shaved head on the side and all that stuff. Basically, Black Lantern Superboy is attacking Wonder Girl, his girlfriend, and there's a two page thing that kind of you know delineates his background and oh look at me I have an ugly costume oh look at me I'm all thing and there are a couple of things that I notice in the first few pages that stick out at me, uh, and the line that sticks in my head oh. I, oh, I, ooh, the only power I'm missing is freeze breath. Okay, this is page three of the book, and I said, all right, freeze breath is going to be an important part of this story. Sounds like it. And then, and then the next page, we start talking about the Legion of Superheroes and how he's been put, he, he got put in the healing chamber, and this is something else that sticks out of me. The Legion will let me out just in time to fight Superboy Prime, in the future. Present tense, or excuse me, future tense, will let me out. Yeah. Interesting. So, fighty fighty, and we see Black Lantern Superboy, Black Lantern Green Arrow, Black Lantern Impulse, Black Lantern Superman, Black Lantern Wonder Woman, Black Lantern Johnny Quick, I don't know. And there's really? some fighty fighty. Wait, no, all there's the no, time. Is there really a Black Lantern Johnny Quick? There should be. Yeah, there no, is in Black he, Lantern JSA. Really? Because he merged with the Speed Force. Yep. So Black he's Lantern not technically Johnny? dead, is he? He's That's weird. Dead. All right, please proceed. I'm sorry. That's a bit of weirdness. Steven's Fanboy Rage brought to you by <laughs> Mark Wade. Well, it's it is it is interesting though, because you know, Steven likes Steven likes the DC universe, but it's it's pretty it's pretty big. There's a lot of stuff going on, but you start to gravitate towards the flash. Oh yeah. And it's like BAM! There's oh, yeah, Steven. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Especially the Mark Wade What? This guy that runs really fast and now wears a blue costume and is the symbol of hope? Proceed with the Adventure the, Comics, Matthew. The blue, the blue flanter. There's some fighty-fighty, but all the time we find that, at least in the case of a Black Lantern who was resurrected and then Black Lanterned, Con Welling is aware of what's happening, but cannot affect his body. So Connor spends the whole issue forced to watch his body beating up his girlfriend and saying horrible things to hurt her and inflame her feelings so his body can kill her and eat her heart. Yum. Now that's some pretty he- that's some pretty heady stuff. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And he he finds that his will and his, you know, his personality are breaking down and he manages to take control of his body long enough to do one thing. One thing. What will he do? Will he Give the potion to Torque? <laughs> no, all he can do is whistle. Oh, yeah. Get Crypto involved. And then what happens? Crypto. Crypto goes in and dun dun Crypto shows up. Crypto goes fighty-fighty. And the Black Lantern body uses super breath against Crypto. 
prediction one complete. So there's more fighty fighty. And it really is about Superboy in his career has been manipulated by a lot of people. Yeah. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor controlled his mind. You know, he's, he was manipulated. He was mind controlled. He was forced to attack. And apparently behind the scenes, he's been spending time building up his psychic defenses. So he manages to control his his laser vision, his heat vision, just for a second, long enough to give Wonder Girl a hint to head to the fortress. And here's the point where prediction number two comes in. What's at the fortress? Go ahead, ask me. Um, Matthew, um, what's Ma Kent yes. doing? <laughs> what's Ma Kent nope. doing during all this? No, that's not what I'm supposed to ask? No. No. Roger, you want to try to give it a go? What's in the fortress? <laughs> what's in the fortress? The body of Connor Kent. Ah. So as soon as Crypto digs up Superboy's decomposing body, the Black Lantern ring starts to have a psychobilly freakout mm-hmm. because it's been told to animate the body of Connell, and there's two Connells. Right. It doesn't know what to what to do. What do I? What? Hold up! Hold up! And it has one of those moments, and finally, the real con, or the the future con, the con who is alive, manages to confuse the ring long enough to get free, and uses his freeze breath. Dun, da, da, dun. So now, Connell has all the powers of his big brother Clark. And the frozen Black Lantern ring gets thrown into space. The sentry wasn't here or it would have gone right into the sun. Huh. And uh, they rebury him. And at the end of the issue, there's this nice moment where Superboy and Wonder Girl and Crypto, the super dog, Crypto, fly back into battle. And it says, to be concluded in Blackest Night number eight. All right. Okay, now here's my thing. I've whined about this for three issues running now. No Legion of Superheroes backed up. Yeah. But I like the story. I like what they've done here. I like strengthening Connell's character, both his character, but also, you know, that undefinable character that defines him, making him a stronger hero and making him, you know, giving him greater defenses against the kind of thing that he notably has. And I don't mind the whole uh, freeze breath being telegraphed as the superpower moment. The big reveals, both of the big swerves in this issue were telegraphed in the first three pages, which is kind of a weakness in a way, but it's also a moment where even the slow children get to play along at the beginning and go, I know what's going to happen. Yay. So that's not always a bad thing. The art is actually pretty nice. It's hard to draw a Wonder Girl looking like both a Wonder and a Girl. Generally, she tends to look like a 21-year-old stripper. Or a 16-year-old. Here she seems to be right about, you know, the right age. There's not too much sex in it, but there's enough to, you know, this is a teenage girl and she dresses in this little outfit and flies around. I was entertained by the fact that both of the main characters' costume consists of a pair of jeans yeah, and the symbol of the hero whose name they borrow. Right. That's On a T-shirt? That's kind of it. Yes, on a T-shirt yeah. that they bought at, uh, <laughs> at, at, baby at the Gap. 7-Eleven. Well, actually, Connor probably got his, uh, downloaded his, uh, you know, or maybe got it from Dynamic Forces. She got hers at Baby Gap because it barely covers her belly button. (laughs) It's a cute story. It's a, you know, it's an interesting tale, and it does some good things for Superboy. Right. I mean, Tom Tom Welling. 
but it also isn't really essential to either Blackest Night or the ongoing Connell mythos, if yeah. you will. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a nice story. It's a side story. It's good to see the two of them in action acting like a real teenage couple. And he has a pet dog. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. For me, the, the most fascinating part of the issue was the uh, first wave backup where I got to see a little bit of Doc Savage and a little bit of Spirit. But oh, yeah. overall, not a bad book. Not at all. A little above average. Again, I'm going to go, we're going to go across the board. Three slices of meatloaf. The art is nice. The cover's beautiful. I think Aaron Lopresti did the cover. Interior art by Travis Moore. No relation to Alan Moore or Steve Moore, uh, to my knowledge. No relation to Leah Moore, but that would make him uh, related to Alan Moore. And he may actually be related to Dinty Moore, now that I think of it. Mm-mm. Hey, speaking of uh, Legion of Superheroes, Matthew, did you pick up last week's action comics? Ah, uh, define pickup. Well, did you read and <laughs> see that uh, that Cam was revealed? Cam. Yep, Chameleon Boy. No, I didn't. Now, is Action Comics the one that Monel is starring in? Yes. Okay, then I have it in my whole bin. Okay. F- um, I am. It. I am. I'm reading whichever book is the one that Monel is titling. Yeah. What's going on in Superman right now? I don't know. I haven't read some things lately. Is uh, Superman a Monel title too? Superman is a. I think it's a Flame Bird and Nightwing title. Okay. I've been reading the one I with Monel. I forget, so. I forget what, what's going on in Superman itself. I'm I did the not final know issue that of, Yeah, it's really, it's like the last page reveal, and people who don't know who the Legion of Superheroes are are going to go, what the hell's with that melty person? So, give it a read. I recommend it. All, All right. right. So, reviews are over. You can go over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can uh, read some more reviews that get posted as we get to them. I've just had a terrible... Last couple of weeks. That's why my reviews have been spotty at best. Uh, Matthew does a pretty good job, and Stacy's uh, fired off another review or two that was up there. Hey, even I had a review. Oh, yeah, even Rodrigo. Hey, if you guys want to know what's going on with that Halo movie, that uh, animated Halo Legends. (laughs) I am the Papa. You need to head over to Majorspoilers.com and read Rodrigo's early advanced non-spoiler review of the DVD that comes out next week. Thank you so much for that, Rodrigo. No problem. Did you enjoy reading it? Did you? I mean, did you enjoy watching the Blu-ray experience? Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Um, there was one that I really, yeah, that you really don't, that like. I really didn't like, and it, it was just because of the style it was done. I think you know they're like, okay, we're gonna do all these awesome different styles, and in theory, the style sounded yeah, like and they a good idea. Painterly effect everything, but it just kind of didn't work out. Okay. Okay, so head over to Majorspoilers.com for more reviews, and when the reviews are over, it's time for... It's time. It's time for... Animaniacs. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And we are zany to the max. The max. (laughs) There's baloney in our slacks. It's time for the major spoilers poll of the week, 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 Tom Welling edition, week, 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 <laughs> Tom Welling edition, whoop, 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 whoop. Okay. Cool. So last Friday, the CW <laughs> premiered this highly touted two-hour movie, Smallville Absolute Justice, written by Jeff Johns, and featuring 
portions of the Justice Society of America. And if you look closely, you, actually, you got to see Wildcat and you got to see uh, Alan Scott and you got to see Jay Garrick you know, for I all love about the 10 seconds. Movies. You do you? Okay. Um, <laughs> the Wildcats joke. Stay with me yes, here. Yes, 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 yes. But we did get to see Hawkman. We did get to see Sandman for all the five seconds that Wesley Dodds was alive. We got to see the Star Spangled Kid and Star Girl. And they got to meet up and, and team up with Clark Kent, the Blur, Green Arrow, and uh, and the Watchtower. It was CW's <laughs> highest rated Friday in since, what did they say, something like 2008 was the last time they ever had a rating that high. 2.8 million people tuned in to watch, didn't, which may not seem like a lot. did CW come to existence in 2008? I think probably. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but, you know, the... It's their biggest night ever, except for when it was. Well, you know, and that's pretty good for two years ago that this was their biggest Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but you consider that 2.8 million doesn't seem like a lot when Ghost Whisperer over at CBS was getting like 8.8 million viewers. But I think that's a significant number of people oh, to yeah. watch uh, Smallville Absolute Justice. The big question is this week is if you watched Absolute Justice, did you like it or did you not so like it? Rodrigo. Pass. Ah, Rodrigo did not watch it. Why not? Uh, when when was it on? It was on Friday night. Uh, don't you I have was, a DVR? I, no, I actually don't. Oh, man, we're going to um, have to hook you up with a I DVR. Am, I am both uh, technologically backwards and poor. <laughs> but on the on the other hand, you do have a girlfriend, so that keeps I you do. occupied actually, I was, Friday I was Actually, if it was on Friday night, I was working. Oh, okay. All right. Bringing the legislation of Kansas to the people of Kansas. <laughs> All right, so pass for Rodrigo. Matthew, did you watch it? Pass. Oh, gosh. All right, so it's up to me. (laughs) It's up to me. So this week I did watch Smallville Absolute Justice, and I thought it was a good story. I haven't watched Smallville in almost two years. I haven't watched Smallville in almost two years, and thank God it was on the TiVo so I could fast-forward through the commercials because I don't think I would have sat through two hours of this as it will bro- as it was broadcast in real time. It was a good story. It you could tell that it had a lot of Jeff Johns influence especially with what he did in the um the reboot of the JSA where it's like, "Hey, let's bring in all the younger kids and train them to be the next generation of heroes." Oh, it's all about family. Those two themes were so heavy in this that I almost almost wanted to change the channel. But I watched it and it was a good story. I kind of am disappointed that uh that they killed the Sandman. I'm disappointed that they killed, um, well, they killed Dr. Fate. I'm disappointed that they killed the Star-Spangled Kid because I think that there's stories that could be told there. It does leave some room for these characters to return, and, of course, we didn't see Alan Scott except for in a flashback. We didn't see Jay Garrick except in a flashback and Wildcat, so I'm hopeful that we can see some of those characters appear in future episodes like supposedly we're going to see with the Legion of Superheroes. 2.8 2.8 million people watched it. I say yes, it was an enjoyable show. Not that great. It probably would have earned three and a half slices of meatloaf from it. It was good viewing. Question is that I have for you guys then to get you involved into this conversation. 2.8 million people. How come there aren't 2.8 million people out there buying comic books? Because they aren't. Smallville fans aren't necessarily comic fans. Smallville was designed to make comics palatable to people who aren't comics fans. And television is free. Well, that's true, too. 
Well, nearly television free. doesn't yeah. require you to show up at the store every other Wednesday and deal with whoever's no, I, buying the camera. I think or we, I think we had that conversation before a couple of weeks ago on one of the shows. But I'm still surprised you'll get 2.8 million people to do that, and then you can't get a million people to go out and buy a comic book. You can't get a third of those people to go out and buy a comic well, and, book. And we have talked about the fact that they don't, they they don't follow up. They give you, they give you the. The, the right hook, yeah. but then they don't follow it to, with a jab to the face. You know, right, not... by saying, hey, go down to your local comic exactly. book store and pick hey, up your local comic book. do you think Hawkman looked ridiculous? No? <laughs> well, then. Check out his convoluted history over in the pages of DC e- Comics. Exactly. E- and there you get to the center of the shrubbery maze. If you go buy a Superman or a JSA comic, oh, it's yeah. going to bear no resemblance to that. Oh, well, yeah, it's not going to have any resemblance, too. But if it's that little candy to say, here, read this, and somebody reads it and says, well, I don't understand it, let me read it again, or let me go back and pick up this other issue and fl- flip through it, it's kind of like how I got in- into Superman. You just have to sit down, and you have to read it, and you have to plow through it, and eventually all the characters fall into place and things start making sense. Well, if you are if you want to make that kind of a commitment. It's, 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 it's a problem because it, it requires a real commitment from someone. You know, it's like music. There's people who will just listen to whatever's on the radio. There's people who listen to a song and will go out and find out who this person is and what their influences are and then follow that trail. But, you know, there's people who don't care to put that amount of work into it. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who sit and listen and talk about how, you know, whoever's singing the song sold out and how they're not nearly as cool and then they, you know, come to the forums and yell at us. I mean... People, in theory. Rico says, I expect very little from Smallville, so I was pleasantly surprised to find that this was a rather good episode. Love the Lois and Clark cameo, for those who caught it. Uh, I was far more interested in the introduction of Checkmate than the JSA. I really want to know which version we'll see, with or without Maxwell Lord, white and black sides of the board, metas and normal humans balanced as far as knights uh, knights are involved, rooks, and so on. A few nitpicks, he says, as far as I know... The Wall called her team Task Force X, and it was the criminals that dubbed themselves the Suicide Squad because of the low survival rate of missions, so no Rick Flag. The use of Lois was also somewhat awkward. Waller would never have shown her hand so soon into the game by meeting her uh, either. So some legitimate net nitpicks on, on that, I think. Hmm. But overall, Matthew, what's the, uh, what's the rating as of today? Do you have that called up? The over and under on Smallville Absolute Justice. Uh, yes, hang on. I have to vote in order to see the results. Oh, okay. But I have them before us. Not counting my vote, 542 people voted, which is, well, actually, we're a day late, aren't we? Never mind. <laughs> 77% voted for Dr. Fate's big rubbery head. Oh, it's um, actually, only- that was a really cool helmet. I want one of those helmets. Mm-hmm. Only 20% said no, and uh, Green Arrow's Ray-Bans and big, gay, chunky highlights. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I don't mean that in a, you know, never mind. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay, well, you can go and cast your Uh vote still for a while longer over at Majorspoilers.com. In fact, most of these polls stay active if you go in and look at the poll archives. You can keep voting. So you can keep voting all you want. But, I mean, as far as we're concerned, this is the closing of the poll. But Mm. more people can go and vote and comment over at Majorspoilers.com. And speaking of comments... You know what's really weird? What's that? That picture of Tom Welling looks remarkably like my best friend from grade school, a kid we called the Super Stork. So, you know, that's a little eerie. All right. Uh, Speaking of comments... (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's see if we've got a comment this week, and we'll be right back. Hey, Major Spoilers, this is Brother 129. The death of Gwen Stacy, where did it begin? I think what was really interesting for me is the first time I read this uh, story, I, I, as a kid, I, I had always gone up as a Spider-Man fan, but what, uh, what happened is I discovered my, my father's stash of uh, Spider-Man books in the attic, and so I was reading these, these David Adventures. So imagine my, my shock and surprise that not only did the supervillain, the Green Goblin, discover my hero's secret identity, but that he actually killed his beautiful girlfriend. I, I mean, I was dumbfounded. That kind of stuff wasn't supposed to happen in comics. Even even rereading the issues as an adult didn't help my dread of a story that, that I already knew the ending of. This was my, my Shakespeare. And if you think about it, has any comic run since duplicated the utter shock of a supervillain discovering a secret ID? And has any murder of a supporting character ever resonated for years like it has in the Spider-Man books? Uh, a truly iconic moment that I'm happy and sad to share with my fellow comics fans. Thanks for listening. I, and she didn't look like a high school girl. I've actually talked to a couple people who like their one comment about this uh about this was like man Stargirl just did not she did look not click right. she did not click they really needed she looked like a 23 year old trying to play a 16 year old and she looked like she'd been through the uh, fake bake oven one too many times cuz she had I thought too many hard edges and too much too many wrinkles for someone they of drew, her age they drew too many lines on her face they did damn it <laughs> it's a classic mistake <laughs> Oh, hey, we're back already? Oh, sorry. Hey, remember, if you have any thoughts or comments or would like to contribute to the Major Spoilers podcast, all you got to do is dial our hotline number at Matthew. Where would that be? 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers hotline. All right, so this week, I don't know, for some Milo reason... Milo Ventimiglia. No, wait. For some reason, I just got into this kick of going back into the archive archives that we have here at Major Spoilers, and looking at some of the, I, I don't know, some of the seminal comics that come out, some of the biggest comics that come out as far as mm-hmm. event and storyline. And I'll thank you to keep that away from my comics. I happened to cross... Like, why do they have to be Native American? <laughs> <laughs> I happened to cross... <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man number 121. <laughs> Rodrigo wins the internet, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you Tune always next do week. it the zingers there. First it was Stanley with the Chinaman, and now this. <laughs> All right. Amazing Spider-Man number 121. It's a turning point that Spider-Man will never be the same again. And for about, dun, dun, dun. Uh, it was kind about of 60 true, years, yeah. 30 years, it was true for yeah. the longest time. So Not only that, it was true at a time when they didn't say it every 25 minutes. Right. And you look at the cover, and Spider-Man saying, "Someone close to me is about to die. Someone I cannot save. My spider sense is never wrong, but who, who?" <laughs> the, the best thing about this cover is that it's like you're my looking at Spider-Man's ass my, right in the middle of the page. Well, that's not what I thought was the best part, but we'll get to your comments okay. in a second. <laughs> All right. Um, now the uh, it's not Aunt May looking like death warmed over, and you're hoping that it's her. <laughs> It's like, someone close to me is about to die. My spider sense is never wrong. And I really expected the next balloon to be, my spider sense doesn't work that way. (laughs) So on the cover, we have uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Can you name everyone on this cover? I'm going to try. I'm going to say J. Jonah Jameson. There's Norman and Uh Harry Osborn. There's Mary Uh Jane, Gwen Stacy, Aunt May, 
what's his name? Robinson, the guy that's at the newspaper? Robbie, Robbie, Robertson, Robbie Robinson. Yes. Uh, Steve, not Robert, Steve Rogers, but what's his name? Steve, uh, Flash. Steve Flash, Flash Thompson. That's not Flash Thompson. Okay, who is that? Who's that's Ned Leeds. Okay, I don't know who he is. That would have gotten me. I thought it was Flash. I thought it was Flash, too. And then the other person is who? That's uh, Robbie's son, Randy Robertson. Okay, well, so so I was pretty close. Who is, I believe, currently five, a judge on American Idol. <laughs> so I got uh, seven out of nine, correct? That's pretty good. That's not too bad no. for me. And, and Spider-Man. Oh, and Spider-Man. How could I forget Spider-Man? And his amazing ass right there, right in the middle of the page. <laughs> anyway, Spidey is... Spider-ass. Spidey's been called right. back from Little Canada, bit. where apparently he was covering uh, the Hulk versus Spider-Man uh, rampage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he arrives just in time to see his good friend, uh, Harry. Harry, all tripped out on LSD. That's or... Right. <laughs> or... <laughs> As uh, as the doctor tells Gwen and Mary Jane, to be precise, dilacergic acid dithiamide, what you, Miss Watson, would know as LSD, because he's implying that Mary Jane is a big old LSD whore. That's right. Both of them. Because you're well, you know, the only actually... one. Only you would know it is. Notice he doesn't say no, you no, and no, Gwen would no, no, know no, this no, no, is no, LSD. He, no, he's... You, no, he's addressing Gwen, and he says, you and Ms. Watson. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I think he's, it's, it's a youngin's uh, <laughs> comment. I just, but well, it's, it's but, great because... What you kids today would call the goofball. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, if this was written today, they would just keep saying LSD because everybody knows Actually, what LSD is. Actually, they'd be calling is. it crack because nobody's uh, on LSD these days. Uh, sure. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, I, I like how they keep saying, what? Harry's back on... Drugs? Yes, and then they Not point out drugs. Yes, drugs like five issues ago. Yes, gasp. It's true. Harry is back on the crank. <laughs> okay, first of all, it was 23 issues. Oh, is that ago, how many issues it was? Yes, the big Harry meltdown was Spider Man 97. Okay. Through 99. So, but, That's... you know, go on with your little tirade there. No, no, it's not a tirade. Where's I just think it's funny ever... that. I just think it's funny that, you know, in this day and age, especially in the comic code, mm. trying to be very careful of the use of drugs and referencing drugs and then having to, it's almost like what we were talking about before the show and Matthew wanting to make that reference to a rap singer. And I was like, are you talking about peanut or plain? It's kind of that way that uh, I feel like, yeah, it, like they're it doing feels here. That way now, yeah. it's, it's the older generation trying to talk down to the younger kids. And saying this, this is, is how it is. This is actually an interesting issue in that it's approved by the code. I just noticed that. Well, this one is because it doesn't actually show, you know, the use of the drug, Plus, but it, it's showing it the after. It, yeah, yeah, it's condemning it and showing the after effects of the drug. So, but so did so did the the bit that Stan and Jack or Stan and John Romita did, you know, two years earlier. So right. it's interesting. I wonder if the code just stopped caring. Maybe so. Or I maybe think, I think well, they stopped see, caring yeah, about they the cared, code. Well. I think it was the code changed because of what Stan and that Stan did. So uh, Peter changes out of his costume and he goes inside to uh, to check on on Harry and old Norman Osborn comes out of nowhere. Oh no! All cranky faced and just, angry. Just a minute, young man. I told you not. <laughs> Wait, that... no, that actually keep going. No, no, please keep going because I, I think that's a better. I told you not to go near my son. <laughs> it's it's your fault. He, he's got a fever that can only be fixed by more cowbell. <laughs> See, this problem is in my mind, 
Willem Dafoe is the exact same actor as Christopher Walken <laughs> is the exact same actor as John Malkovich. Yeah, there you go. So you, you can imagine that movies are fascinating in my head. What's, what's interesting as I go back and read this stuff from however many X number of years ago it was, um, was that I like how they incorporate flashback into the use of the story without making it, I mean, it's today you read it and you're kind of like, oh, that's annoying. Of course I remember 10 issues ago or whatever, however many issues ago it was when mm-hmm. Spider-Man and Norman Osborn, when Green Goblin find out that Spider-Man was re- really it was, Peter Parker. It was still that that thought process of this is the first issue that somebody could be picking right. up. Right, and so I liked to, it. We have to re-explain everything every issue. That's why he talks about his web shooters. Mm-hmm. That's why he talks about the Green Goblin. That's why yes. he talks about sticking to walls and his awesome spider sense. Well, and that's why he talks about, oh my gosh, I'm coming down with stuff and cough, cough, cough. Must be because I was up fighting the Hulk in Canada. Exactly. Oh, those Canadians. <laughs> It's pronounced Canadia, Steve. Oh, okay. Oh, those Canadias. Uh, but I really, I, I like how they use that and do that in just like a panel or two or just in a word or phrase here and there. And it doesn't really detract you know what from I the love? overall story. The moment after Christopher Walken attacks Tobey Maguire, you get that, that three-quarter panel. Right. Where we literally in one panel have a flashback of the origin of the Green Goblin, the moment where they last fight, the moment yep. where Spider-Man punched him out. And that right there, my friends, is Gil Mother Effing Kane. That is a beautiful panel. The layout of it is just so dynamic and so awesome. Oh yeah. And you can you can look at Peter Parker's face and you realize he's like, oh crap. I mean, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's the- all you know, in his mind, he knows that Norman Osborn's psyche, and they do write it out here. Um, who is who's the, the only uh, villain Jerry, who knows Spidey's secret? Yeah, and a he spells it out and says, "Buried with Osborne's memory." Well, and that's what they point out, and they say it's buried within his fragile psyche, and it's like, okay, cool. And then so, uh, then the next thing you know, Peter's freaking out, and then Mary Jane and Gwen show up, and he's like, "Okay, ladies, let me take you out to buy you a coke." Okay, Peter. Okay, Peter. Okay, Peter. Wait. So when did when did Mary Jane enter the Amazing Spider-Man universe, Matthew? Uh, Mary Jane actually showed up very early in the game. Well, sort of. Mary Jane, as a concept, showed up very early in the game as kind of a running gag. Aunt May's friend uh, Anna kept wanting to introduce Peter right, to his right. to her her niece, and I think Peter was like, "Oh, she must be a horrible, freakish dog or something." So for like fifteen issues or so, we kept seeing Mary Jane just sort of show up as this recurring recurring gag, mm-hmm. and then in issue twenty five, she first shows up, and then like I want to say forty one, we have that moment, the face it tiger, you just hit the jackpot moment, right? That's so, that's definitely from Amazing Number Four. So she's hanging around for like sixty issues, just as a secondary character. No, for maybe 20? Oh, so like around 100 or so? Well, there's there, she starts out as a running gag. Right. Where right. Aunt May keeps trying to set him up with, with this girl, and he's just like, no, Aunt May likes her, so I, I, can't, I can't love her. She's, and, she's probably some boy. Yeah. And at this point in the story, how long have Gwen and Peter been dating? And that I'm not sure of. Uh, Gwen was much earlier than Mary Jane. Oh, yes. I think Gwen 
Gwen first appeared like 10 issues before Mary Jane. Okay. Uh, this is number 122? 121. 122. Do the math here. Maybe 40 issues? Okay. Possibly. All right. Because so, they've been dating. Well, her her father died in Amazing Number 90, and they were dating then. So that was 32 issues before this. So for your, maybe five years. Let's okay. say five years. Okay. Uh, Peter starts coming down with a cold. He does go and check in uh, with the Daily Bugle. We get to see interactions with JJ, Jay, and Robbie. JJ, JJ, and, and I like those, those interactions. Are the that, yeah, those are really missing in today's comics. There's nothing, you know. It seems like everything that's not plot driven is thrown over the side. You don't have the moments where he just shows up at Robbie's office and Jonah says something snotty and, and isn't tied into. The big well, Civil War dark yes, brain yes. plot. You know? Although I do have to give uh, Jerry Conway credit for for seeing years ahead with the uh, the the Heine virus. You know, Peter just gives one little cough, and JJ's like, "Get the hell out of my office! I don't want him infecting people and making them call in for sick days." Uh, you you say that you say that like H one N one is the only flu to ever happen. <laughs> it's the only one where people Steven. are freaked out the most about. No, the swine flu epidemic of 1973 <laughs> would have been absolutely <laughs> contemporary with this issue. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying, though, if people are reading Shut it today, they're going to say, oh, you the honey virus. Face. Oh, yes. Here they are talking about LSD. <laughs> but, it's, but it's so topical with their cough cough. <laughs> Um, and those little so and those ask, little dust bunnies that appear over his head, which mean he's sick. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> those dust motes. Those are actually boozles the, from comic iconography. They used to denote uh, drinking. Nice. Uh, if you see them in in Bloom County, they're root boozles. But yes, they're supposed to indicate that he's like dazed and whoa. Mm-hmm. Norman has a breakdown. His son's illness has just affected him so. If it's affected him so, he needs to just take the kid to the hospital, which Norman refuses to do. That's right. But then his fragile Norman psyche Norman refuses cracks. to hospitalize. We stop saying fragile psyche. <laughs> it cracks. He has the grand mall split. No. What? That's a that's a that's a throwback to the very <laughs> first, first major spoilers, major spoilers episode. episode. <laughs> and uh, Norman turns back I into the Green in Goblin. Yeah, so you probably have never listened to it. That's 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 back when that uh, was the that I will say that that was the beginning and end of Virgin Comics in episode one. Yeah, that was that was uh, back when uh, we were all black and white, and I didn't wear a shirt, just suspenders <laughs> and, and now, pants. And now he doesn't wear pants. That's right. <laughs> now I just wear a just a sailor shirt and a hat, but no pants <laughs> and a big blue dot. <laughs> is that the one where Mickey didn't wear his white gloves yet and Steven still had a hat? Yeah. And why does Steven get to talk when Pluto's just a dog? <laughs> uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Green Goblin. <laughs> Norman trips out and, and turns back into the Green Goblin, and of course he's going to go after Peter Parker, but finds Gwen Stacy instead. Rodrigo, pick it up from there. Okay, so freak out. Chase out, goes after Gwen Stacy. And you don't you don't even see Gwen's reaction to the goblin. You just see him like peek out from the window like hello. Yeah, right. And then next panel, Spider Man's like, Whoa, man, I had one Dayquil one. too many. 
So he gets to Gwen's apartment, or I guess his apartment. I think he shares right. that apartment with Gwen. Or, or she's at, hanging or out she for him or something. she was hanging out there or yeah. something. We don't know. These kids are very modern. It's the 70s after all. They may be sleeping in the same building. What? Um, dun, 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 dun. She takes a couch and he takes a bathtub. <laughs> so, and where does Chrissy sleep? <laughs> yeah, Mary Jane's in another room altogether. Um, they so he and if finds. If Furley comes over, Peter has to really camp it up. <laughs> he finds Gwen's purse on the floor. the The room's a mess. There's Gwen's purse, and on top of it is a jack o' lantern, a pumpkin bomb, a pumpkin bomb, and only one person back in that day used pumpkin bombs as opposed to nowadays, where apparently you can find them in a thrift store in uh, the Marvel <laughs> universe. Well, there's a lot of those. Really, really? in the '90s, there were 17 goblins. Oh, were there? Hobgoblin, during, uh, goblin, yeah. goblin. Demo Goblin, Goblin, Jack-O-Lantern, yep, man, Maximum Carnage, it was a thing to do. Either you were a symbiote or you were a goblin. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, so this is Turkey Goblin, Peter's Spider Sense, (laughs) Peter's Spider Sense leads him to the Brooklyn, the Washington Bridge, Washington Bridge, yeah, um, and there he gets a little joke here. It figures Osborne would pick something named after his favorite president. He's got the same sort of hang-up for dollar bills. <laughs> there is some definite cheese in some of this that dialogue. That money-grubbing bastard. Anyway, his spider sense leads him there, which also, I believe, is not how spider sense works. Whatever, this is Spider-Man. He does whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> yeah, is, Josh, go is, check that yeah. out. This is this is, is early. He strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive blood. <laughs> this is this is what in Look gaming out. we refer to as power creep. Um, it starts out that a character can do something in particular, say a class in Dungeons and Dragons can do something in particular. Is what happened to Superman? They just kept adding more and more powers. Here, his spiders and is actually taking him towards danger, which is kind of the opposite of what his spider sense is supposed to do. I don't know. Anyway, so he gets to the bridge, and the goblin is like, Hello, Spider-Man, I am up here with your girlfriend. <laughs> yes, he does that, too, with the hand-waved high. Yeah, like, he's he like, Hello. Hello, it's quite simple. I'm up here. Yes. So, or else Gwen Stacy dies. So they have a fight. It's um, a pretty good fight. It is a pretty good fight. Do you like the fight, Matthew? I do, and I really like the, the blocking of the whole thing. Yep. There's a lot of spinning and... Swirling and you know, and one like, of those patented Gil Kane punch them so hard that they actually spin over and fly backwards, regardless yep. of the fact that if in real life you would have killed this man, snapped his neck, and probably shoved his penis into never mind. <laughs> but I, you, it, Gil Kane is known for shots where somebody gets punched and you can look right up their nose, and this is the iconic version of that shot. Oh, yeah, I just thought this was a really good fight scene. I mean, it it shows you know, um. Nothing can stop the juggernaut that we reviewed a couple of, of issues ago, mm-hmm. where Spider-Man yeah. is, like, super strong. He's picking up girders and throwing girders and doing all these things. And granted, that story happens well after, mm-hmm. you know, this issue takes place. But we still get to see here Spider-Man's powers diminished mm-hmm. and still trying to, to fight. Uh, That's the right. Green Goblin. He, puts, he puts everything he has into one punch. Everything he unleashes, unleashes his final move, the spider punch, and Wah-cow! you know what? We're going to talk about um, 
sounds in, in, in this particular issue in a little bit. But did you notice that from the beginning of the issue, every sound effect that we have start out really, really small. Mm-hmm. And as the issue progresses, every time we start, as the fight gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, we finally end up with this one where Spidey punches the Green Goblin and we get the big, it's probably the largest word sound on yeah. in the book, wakow. And then, wow. and then we get to you know, kind of this aftermath kind of stuff. Yep, the goblin Don't spins lunch. out of control, falls off the bridge. Spider Man is like, "Oh, gotta get to Gwen, gotta get to Gwen." But before he can get to her, the goblin regains control of his glider, flies out, and basically just knocks into both of them. She falls off the bridge. Spider Man gets knocked over, and and he's like, "Gwen, I've got to catch her." Sends out his his web shooters, and he goes, "I did it!" And you hear a swick as the. Uh, as the web wraps Catches, around her yeah. leg. And then the smallest word, the smallest word balloon, I think, in the, or the smallest word sound, I think, in the entire issue. And you have to, if you're not paying attention to it, you may not notice it because it almost blends in with her hair and kind of blends in with the light blue of the water below. Just this little word. Snap. Snap. It's, it's kind of amazing. It really is. And I thought reading this, again, after you know so many years... Obviously, I didn't read it the first time it came out. <laughs> get off my lawn. Uh, but when you get to that, you're going like build up, build up, build up, build up, and you're thinking you've heard all this time of this Gwen Stacy's Gwen Stacy's neck getting snapped, and you're thinking this should be a snap or a pop or something that or, or really the, stands out. Or the out. illustration for it will be a full page, but no, it's yeah, it's one, just two, this three, little. It's four panels out of five in. Yeah, and it's just this little snap, and that's it. It's not like, you're right, it doesn't take up a full page. It's not a close-up of her head flipping back. Mm-hmm. It's an actual reaction to what's going on. Yeah. Thoughts on this panel? Thoughts on this panel, Matthew? From what I understand um, in my post as comics historian, uh, Jerry, Jerry Conway, who wrote the book, was surprised by that sound effect. Um, when you work Marvel style, especially in the 70s, what would happen was basically the way Stan did it, you'd, you'd write up a maybe five, ten page little thing, break down what's going to happen in the issue. Your artist would then create the images. He would go through, break the issue down, put together the panel lines, send it back to you, and then the writer would dialogue and you know fit in all the moments that he wants over the issue. Mm-hmm. Marvel's style basically evolved because Stan was writing the entire universe. But by the 70s, it was kind of like, you know, the church of Stan Lee. So Jerry was apparently surprised when he, you know, when this sound effect was in that finished product. But when you go through and you look at it, it's a really, it, it's, it's a catalyzing moment because you look at this and the way I read it, mm-hmm. Gwen died because Peter caught her with the webbing. Right. But there's, there's actually, she would have died anyway. Yes. She would have died from hitting the water at that level. Or the curbing of the piling or whatever. He didn't kill her, but his actions were, in fact, the moment that killed her in this scenario. She probably would have died regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can't fly. There's no way he could have gotten down there to catch her in his state, the state that he was in. Um, I actually remember there's a story later where the same thing happens. Somebody throws Mary Jane off a bridge. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's in continuity or not, but he catches her. He actually hits her with more than one web strand hmm. and catches, supports her whole body. Supports, you know, it hits her with like five strands and 
basically catches her like a net. But in this case, I mean, it's clear that she would have died upon impact with something, but because of him catching her leg like that, her neck snaps. And it adds a layer to the story. It adds a layer to the death that is a little disturbing if you're an eight-year-old comics fan, but as a grown-up, I love it. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's huge. It's it's It, it just creates all of these emotional layers for Spider-Man at that moment. You know, it's like... All these what if, what if, what if, what if, what if he had, what if he hadn't gotten her leg, what if he had gotten an arm or something, right? Well, it have happened the same way. And, yeah, you know, what if he had actually he tried to jump it. in? He just all of these, all of these things just fly up. You, you as a as a reader, gotta think. Good God, what is Spider Man thinking right now? Fortunately, though, this was a comic written in the '70s, so he tells you exactly what he's right. thinking. If people want yeah. to kind and of he's... know a little bit more about this particular event, there's this great book. Uh, it's written from it's written by uh, a physicist, James Kakalios, I think is how you say his name. Uh, but it's talking about oh, what if that. you tried to do these things in the real world, what would happen? Mm-hmm. And there's a whole chapter on why Spider-Man's webbing couldn't save Gwen Stacy's life. And it's really fascinating because he goes into the calculations of bodies falling at this speed and mm-hmm. the tensile strength and how much G-forces that would have been on her body when he did save her. I think he does end up ultimately, because there was a interview that he did in, on NPR when this book was first released, um, that talked about this in detail. And it's really fascinating to listen to. I would recommend going back and, and listening nice. to it from that perspective if you want a little bit more. Would she have died? Would she have been saved? You know, what goes on? So... Interesting. Poor, I had not read that. Yeah, poor Peter Parker um, pulls Gwen up, thinks that she's just passed down. He's like, hey, I love my spider powers. Look at me, Mr. Macho. Gwen, Gwen, wake up. Your, your hero's here. And then he's like, Gwen, Gwen. No! Gwen! <laughs> you stupid Spider-Man. Well, I also like the um, how uh, Green Goblin points out and says, oh, you idiot, she was dead even before your webbing reached her. Everyone knows that if you jump off the bridge, you're, you know, at that height, you're going to die or pass out before you ever hit the water, which, again, has also been proven not to be true. Many people who have survived a fall recount that they're awake all the oh, way yeah. down. So that would be uh, pretty weird. But it does kind of bring up, I don't know, is there, has there ever been any doubt in the way that he's he's saying things, the Green Goblin saying things that Gwen was alive before she fell off the bridge? I think this this panel here really throws that into question. I think later on it might have been cleared up mm-hmm. that she was alive. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I think when this was written, they were like, well, we can't have Spider-Man thinking, or like, it couldn't have been Spider-Man that killed her, so we'll throw something in, like, you know, the Goblin will say, she was dead no matter what, right? Or she was already dead, or right. whatever. Right. You know, anything to 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 lighten this up. And then, as people have analyzed the comic, it it's it's proven to be a lot stronger if Gwen was alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this part of it has kind of been forgotten. But I thought that it really detracted from it when the Goblin is like, "Well, she would have died anyway. You did what you <laughs> want. You did what you could there, good guy. <laughs> and I'm gonna prolong your your torture by you know killing you so- softly with my song." Uh, but then Spider-Man is this classic, you know, final page of this issue where it's like, 
you killed my woman, I'm going to kill you, no! That you see every time somebody dies, whether it be in the movies or whether it be in comic books or any kind of uh, pop culture-iness. And that's really where this issue ends with Spider-Man vowing revenge and saying, I'm going to kill you because you killed the woman that I love. Mm -hmm. And yet... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Can you, am I here? Yeah, yeah. He he does this whole thing where he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. And yet, in the next issue... Yes, which is which, what I wanted to get which to. Which we didn't read. Right, right. You've read it because you read it when it originally came out. I think Actually, I've no, it, I, was, <laughs> I was two when it originally came out. But <laughs> thanks for playing. You'll be going home with some lovely parting gifts. Um, no, I have read it. I've had it read it a number of times. And right. it does come to be that Norman does in fact croak in the next issue. And I but, guess if people have seen the first Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. you kind of know how it how it plays out, right? I mean, they're in a warehouse exactly. or something. Well, tell us how how does how does the Green Goblin die then in in 122? Well, essentially there's the fighty fighty and they are in a warehouse. And it's a pretty shocking scene because Spider-Man isn't normally a brawler and Spider-Man just goes completely BFC and starts punching the bejesus out of the Green Goblin. And he gets to the point where he's ready to throw a killing blow and he can't do it. Mm-hmm. Norman tries to kill Peter uh, with the remote control Goblin Glider. He tries to basically, the Goblin Glider I think is damaged in the fight and the little, the little bat head is pointing forward with the sharp bits forward. So Norman's going to impale Peter from behind. Spider sense. What? So Pete, duck, Pete ducks and the goblin actually kills himself and the, the goblin glider stabs him through the heart. Yep. And it's supposedly he dies. Oh, he dies. For a while. He dies horribly. For all of like, what? A, <coughs> he was out for like 20 years. Yeah. Well, Gwen supposedly was going to be out permanently too because just like... Uh... Uncle Ben, those two have stayed dead. But, Matthew, what the hell is all this with Gwen Stacy suddenly coming back? She was actually in Europe somewhere, vegging out or something? No. What, what, what's... No, this is earlier. Okay, so uh, how does Gwen Stacy come back? Before, <laughs> shut up. Before Gwen died, she actually, there was a bit where she and Peter broke up and she was supposed to be on a tour in, in Europe or a, she's off like, look at me, I'm Gwen Stacy. And Peter's, you know, dealing with whether or not he loves her in the bloody 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 blue. Right. Well, it turns out that 25 years later, somebody wrote this story, see, mm. where the reason that she went to Europe was not to go and, oh, look at me, I'm in Europe and going to France. Oh, no, no, no. She went to France on what we in, in my high school used to refer to as air quotes. The Rodrigo. <laughs> no. Oh. The the MRS degree. Gwen was preggers. What? Indeed. And she turns it is she rather it turns out. <laughs> There's our adult tag, and I didn't even mean to do it. She it turns out is impregnated by Norman Osborn. <laughs> Which just turns this whole story into something, you know, this issue, then it turns into something that's just totally makes it all weird and yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's just weird. It really does. Especially since Gwen dated Harry and then 
dumped Harry or Harry dumped her or something, and she ended up dating Peter, I believe. But I found it fascinating that through the whole thing that in this story now retconned from uh, from what I like to refer to as the dark years, the the Gemas regime at Marvel, that the Goblin intentionally killed Gwen to try and, I don't know, keep her from trying to claim his, his Osborne legacy. But she'd already, she'd already had the kids, right? Is that what right. you're saying? Okay. So, but right. how do they, how do they, how did they retcon her being alive? I mean, all, you know, she oh, they, snapped her neck and they then all of a sudden her. she's, oh, okay, well, that explains everything. Yeah. What do you mean retcon her being alive? No, that story took place before she died. Oh, so the one that they told just recently, a few years ago, takes place yes. in the past. When, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Before Gwen died, she went to France okay. for several issues. Okay, well, that makes a lot more sense then. Because I thought they brought her well, back, yeah. and it then we saw the flashback. It is easier to give birth before you die. No, no, no. It's I thought that they, I thought that they had tweaked it so that the story that was told a few years ago had her coming mm-hmm. back from France, and she'd been in France these last you know 30 years of comic book storytelling, mm-hmm. and that she had been getting it on with Norman Osborn and had the kids. That makes a lot more sense. What a weird uh, universe we live in. Let's not uh, think about that. So let's think about Amazing Spider-Man 121, and do we recommend it, not recommend it, pass, must, must read? What's, what's the general thoughts on this entire issue? Matthew? I would say I'm neutral. <laughs> You're neutral, really? I'm neutral. I would I would recommend it to people who are like myself interested in the history of comics, or if you're interested in seeing Gil Kane kicking butt with John Romita on inks. Right. If you're interested in finding out, you know, in reading a, a piece of Spider-Man's history and going, oh, so that's how that happened. But as a story, as an issue, comparatively speaking, if you read Spider-Man and love Spider-Man right now, and you pick up a reprint copy, or even the original copy of Spider-Man 123, it's, or 21, I don't know, it's a whole new ball game. It's a completely different thing. When I was a kid, I loved the X-Men. And I went and I bought, at great expense, Issues of the X-Men from the 60s. And they were about they were about at that time as old as this story is now. Right. They were probably 25, 30 years old. And I couldn't access them. They didn't speak to my comic reading experience. You know, circa X-Men 175, 189. Mm-hmm. Reading stuff from, you know, issue 66, issue 45. There was no comparison. There was nothing really to look at. So this is a good story. It's a well-drawn story. But if you read it, it it has a couple of uh, Jerry Conway things to it. Lots of exclamation points. Mm -hmm. Lots of expository dialogue. Big balloons full of expository dialogue. And moments that, you know, don't necessarily drive the drama, which I love. Don't get me wrong. The minute where they're talking, hey, here's Joe and Robbie for a second. We'll get back to them in two months. But in, today, in today's terms, this is kind of a flawed story. From an art perspective, five out of five. As an overall, I'm going to say three and a half slices of meatloaf. Definitely something you want to check out, but check out for what it is. Don't expect it, you know, to don't expect to walk in and have it be Battlestar Galactica 
well, actually, it is Battlestar Galactica, but not the new Battlestar Galactica kind of story. If you know what you're looking for, this is a great story to read. I would actually recommend getting one of the Marvel Masterworks or one of the uh, editions that reprints big hunks of Spider-Man stories. Yeah. So you can work your way into it a little bit at a time. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it still, even though with the cheesy dialogue and some of the things we were joking about earlier, with you know, the I have given him a shot of Thorazine. This is a tranquilizer to counteract the effects of your LSD that you young your... kids like to use these days. I really liked it. Like I thought the that story. Beatles. I thought the story held up just fine. Mm-hmm. I think if you change some of the dialogue, and this would be an interesting experiment because as you were talking about earlier, Matthew, with the Marvel style where the art is done and then you fill in all the words, I would like mm-hmm. to strip this entire issue of the words in the word balloons and have other people write modern dialogue. Like Tom Servo? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of, yeah, where you put in... where you put in Like Christopher what, Bird. <laughs> yeah, where you would put in the, the modern... Mm-hmm. version of of these words and tell this story and see if you come up with just a powerful a story or not mm-hmm. uh and certainly the art helps propel the very fascinating story but i like this a lot i you know i would highly recommend everybody picking up these uh, two issues 121 and 122 to see how it all it all plays out but 121 stellar as far as a changing moment in comic book mm-hmm. history um yeah i say do pick it up and then if you can get in a treasury edition or something like that mm-hmm. even better it's More it's definitely it's definitely a good story and um right now this story is no longer really no longer crucial to who Spider-Man is currently in the current continuity. True. You know, Spider-Man never like nowadays he never like grabs his hand and goes, "Oh god, Gwen, where did I go wrong?" You know, like it's been so long. But this yeah. was a very important moment in comics history. Right. If you love Spider-Man and like to have conversations about Spider-Man, you need to go back and pick this up and, and read it. Yeah. Because otherwise, that fat guy at the comic store is going to keep making fun of you. Hey, Matthew doesn't make fun of everybody. I was not store. saying specifically <laughs> Matthew. Matthew doesn't make fun of people. Hey, have I, mentioned that, uh, you know. have I mentioned that you people can meet Matthew in person this weekend, this Sunday, at Gatekeeper Comics Gatekeeper Hobbies Hunt. He'll be signing autographs. He'll be signing autographs, and if you want to get pictures with Matthew, that's where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Matthew is very fond of signing comics of ones that you buy out of the bin at the store, and he'll sign them for you. So I think that's a pretty good deal. No, I think having them buy them out of the hundred dollar bin, Matthew. Matthew is perfectly willing to reduce the value of your comics for you. <laughs> for nothing. By, by for writing free. on them with Sharpie. And he doesn't have to write his name. He can write down whatever you want. So that's where you can catch Matthew live uh, this Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Matthew, Matthew, We're Matthew. turning Gatekeeper Hobbies into a giant mud pit. <laughs> so do go out and see Matthew at the store. Shake his hand and say, hey, tell him that you like what he does. Mm-hmm. Um. So it sounds like a good good read all around then, right, Rodrigo? I think so. All right. Here's here's what I really here's what I really liked about it. Um at least the 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 issue that we have, I don't know if it's in the reprints. It has these like basically kind of like ticker tape looking yeah, commercials yeah, for bottom. other issues. Yeah. Um Luke Cage takes on Mr. Death. Don't miss don't miss Hero for Hire number ten. Uh the master plot of the man called Gideon. He's, it's all revealed onto you in Fantastic Four number 135. The blood of Belnishar, one of Conan's greatest, now on sale. I wonder if those would work today or if people would really be annoyed by them. 
I mean, they're somewhat annoying here, but I think it's kind of a brilliant piece of the use of the gutter and just, hey, let's fill it with free ad space. Honestly, it's so understated. Like, I thought it was I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something that kind of went away. I think they did that for about, you know, five years in the early 70s. Oh, I like it. Um, I like it's a good idea. The first place I ran into it was uh, Marvel Spotlight number five, the first appearance of Ghost Rider. But, it, yeah, that, that whole Ghost Rider, Power Man era... Get ready for Tales of the Zombie. Dracula lives, but so does Morbius and Vampire Tales. Number one, coming soon. <laughs> you know, we have a copy of Vampire Tales. Number one at Gatekeeper Hobbies. Hunt, don't engage. Nice. Matthew will, uh, Matthew will uh, shake your hand if you buy that, that issue. The Sunday, I'll shake my fist if you pretend to buy that issue. This Sunday, Matthew live. Go see him, please. And that about wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. And really, you can only count yourself as part of the entire Major Spoilers experience if you go see Matthew this weekend. <laughs> Gatekeeper <laughs> Comics and Hobbies. Hunt to engage Topeka, Kansas. Next week, we're going to go... We've been doing a lot of uh, Marvel stuff lately. We're going to dive back into DC. But we're not going to dive back into DC the way you might think about it. We're going to go look at the Elseworlds series. And one book that I think Matthew and I are both kind of keen on... A uh, Batman's Elseworlds called Holy Terror. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Holy Terror. It's going to be a fun time. We hope you join us next week because uh, we love comics and we know that you do too. And we will talk with you next time. Monster Madness. It's a gas for lad or lass. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Star Raven reads like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast.
podcast, copyright 2010. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.